Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Adelaide Crowcast for another Tuesday night live edition. Joining us tonight is um, uh, for a return engagement is Scorpus, Nikki New, our regular panelists, as well as Phoenix. How are you tonight, folks? Pretty good. Yeah, doing all right myself. We're all good. Very good. Uh, later in the show, we've got the uh, interview with David McCartney sure to uh, to stick around for that and have a listen and uh, but in the meantime I'll throw it open to the panel to uh, to raise whatever the most uh, pressing issue you see in football at the moment I think um, what Rob and I just talked about before we came on air was the four corners episode that uh, went out last night regarding Hal Hunter and a bit of what went on at Essendon for those of us who have followed the saga from start to finish and read everything in between, nothing new was kind of really said. Um, it was just the way it was presented. It actually made a lot clearer. And for people who haven't been following on, it kind of let them know about some of the worst aspects that did go on. And very interestingly, uh, what was discovered at the very end was, for those of you who aren't aware, Hal Hunter, who was a rookie list player with Essendon, uh, did not sign the consent form, but he did receive injections. He didn't receive a show cause notice because he didn't sign the consent form. He and his parents have taken Essendon and the AFL to court to try and find just exactly what he was injected with and try and get any details. And Essendon sort of kind of won um, the court case because they said they had absolutely no records to show to him, therefore he really shouldn't be chasing them because they've got nothing. And he was told to pay costs, um, which the judge actually made the minimum amount that for that. And since this came out, all of a sudden Essendon did find some more paperwork and sent that to him and they tried to mediate with him and his parents prior to Four Corners going to air, basically, I think, to try and stop it occurring. Um, but they're now no longer chasing him for costs. So for people who are... A, a club that's saying that yes, we're interested in looking after the players, everything else. This it was just basically proving what we know that not they're only interested in the good PR. Yeah, look, I was actually a bit appalled by the. I mean, it's nothing we haven't all heard before, or if you've been following the case, there wasn't anything really new. Although some of the information regarding the um, not for human use. Um, elements of the drugs that were were administered were a bit shocking but it's Essendon's um, attitude towards the the young lad that I found astonishing yeah I agree. yeah he's he's no longer on the list he's not one who's going to play for them ever again or he's not one who's going to be in the AFL system so they basically really couldn't care it was just, just really um, sorry go on Scorpus yeah, it's just a really terrible situation all around with how they've, the entire thing has been handled from top to bottom. It's just awful. And I think what's really damning of the AFLPA, which if you guys have heard me talk about Paul Marsh, etc. before, I have absolutely no respect for the AFLPA because here is somebody who really does need their assistance. He's no longer in the game, but they say that they're going to help those type of players. There's been nothing said from the AFLPA and they've provided no assistance to him. No, and, uh, you know, again, 
The, the AFLPA have shown themselves to be a political animal. Um, they haven't come down at all in favour of the players in terms of the players' welfare. They've been far more concerned about positioning the players in terms of their immediate playing future um, and trying to you know, heap all the blame on the AFL and on Essendon in particular. But really, player welfare should be number one in their charter. And at the end of the day, I haven't heard any noise from them whatsoever about measures um, to bring Essendon to account or to assist the players going forward in their uh, their medical situations. I mean, we hear um, the Cronulla lad that um, ended up coming out of cancer remission and dying um, as a direct result of Stephen Dank providing indiscriminate growth hormones to that particular player and you think what must some of these lads be thinking yeah I think there might be some stuff going on behind the scenes so towards the end of the year when these players are going to come back it's going to be interesting to see how many of them will actually remain at Essendon and how many of them will be up for grabs for other clubs I can certainly see a pretty significant chunk of the players wanting to leave. I'm not sure about any of their real guns like Dyson Heppel or Hurley, but certainly some of their other players I can't imagine would really want to stay stay around after that. Has anyone yeah, seen that's... Heppel on on, uh, on Fox? This well, I don't have Fox at the moment, so has anyone seen Heppel on Fox at all? Uh, I either turn it off or I fast-forward if I've recorded it. I take a running dive whenever I see or hear of anything. The Essendon saga come up, so no, I haven't seen it. There's been some reports on what was said that he's apparently he's kind of upset at the club, and he's also said that he knows exactly what he was given. That's very nice, Dyson. Can you go tell how? Because he's got no idea. Um, I don't think Dyson's actually the brightest spark in the world anyhow, so he, he's never really come across that way, and you know, I yeah, I think a few things that have come out have kind of proved that that's probably about right. Just so much contradiction when the club themselves, uh, one of their planks of their defence is that they can't really say what's been given, um, couldn't provide that information at any stage, and yet, you know, Dyson reckons he knows. So good luck, mate. One of the things I thought was really interesting this week is that I listened to, I think it was the AFL Media's AFL podcast or something and they were talking about how um, amongst themselves as a team you know writing for afl.com.au they were you know they actually had meetings to decide how they were going to portray the Essendon saga and because of course now that they're actually convicted drug cheats they had to think you know well we could present it that way which I think a lot of people in the footy industry would like to see portrayed but instead they went with the you know the whole victim mentality that I think Myself, I'm really sick of hearing about that, and I think a lot of other people are as well. Yeah, I think that's the the general gist of it. And you've had a bit from talk back because Monfries is going to be on Triple M here in Adelaide, and it's like, well, no, they shouldn't be um, doing any of this. They've got, they yeah, they should they they shouldn't be front and center on our screens going, oh, isn't he a good bloke? Well, he might be a good bloke, but he's also a drug chief. So, sorry. Well, guys, the uh, the really good and positive thing about football is that it is back and round one is with us next week and uh, very exciting that... Uh, this week? 
this, yeah, this week it's back with us and uh, round one is commencing and I think that's probably, you know, will be a great tonic and, and hopefully we can uh, leave some of the S and stuff behind for a while. Um, how, are we, uh, how are we looking for, for round one, folks, uh, in terms of our own game, playing North Melbourne on Saturday night? Um, perhaps it might be time to have a bit of a look and see how we uh, are going to shape up. I think it'll be a terrific game and um, I think it, there might be a little bit of a contradiction in game styles. I think North will go with their traditional um, contested game and um, and we'll be a little bit a little bit more on the outside so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah certainly and I hope that um, you know we'll hear a bit more about that later in the preview podcast but yeah I'm really hoping that um, we can come out firing in the first round like we always do and well at least we have done last year against North Melbourne and really take it to them and keep their losing streak going we quite like that losing streak don't we well, they're one of the better teams for us to be playing in round one. We don't seem to uh, have any fear of them. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we can start off. But as uh, Scorpus said, we'll we'll be listening with beta breath, mate, on Thursday night as you give us your detailed analysis. And who have we got on Thursday night? Mr. Mystery Guests and... I, I think know. you're on. Am I? <laughs> I think I hope so. <laughs> Oh, well done, Phoenix. Apparently I'm on. <laughs> yeah, if we put that one in the calendar and right. we'll get on on Thursday night at uh, 7.30 Adelaide time and have a chat. Yeah, you I guess one, th- one, thing we could, one thing we could do is just have a look, have a quick guess at the, how we, uh, we might line up and what changes there might be. Do we, do we uh, think that there's I going to be any this. surprise selections? I think it's going to be it's going to be really really interesting to see which way Pike and the selection committee go. I think there's going to be some players who will miss out that you could make a very valid case that we could be playing them. Yeah, we've got really really good um, competition for spots at the moment. There's a lot of um, players who are putting their hand up, and that injury list is very short. So. Personally, for me, I think we might see McGovern this week and that would be probably a little bit of a surprise for some people, even though he did play quite well throughout the NAB Challenge. I think he's definitely a maybe a smoky for round one and has proven himself, so hopefully he gets a shot. Yeah, I think that might bring um, Brad Couch and, uh, and Atkins back. Can't see Cameron and uh, Knight getting a run, although they um, are back and fully fit. I think that they'll probably get a bit of a uh, spell in the in the two to get some match fitness. But um, yeah, I think that um, we'll see uh, hopefully Brad Crouch back and um, and uh, Rory Atkins after those uh, uh, club imposed suspensions. Um, interestingly, Pike was on the afternoon rush hour with Louis and Jars, and they did ask him about did he want to name any of like the younger players he think were going like the second, third, and fourth year players who were going to take that step up. He said he didn't want to. He doesn't like to focus on individuals, as people know. But what he's actually done within the club is he hasn't looked at that lot those younger kind of players. Who he's challenged, he said, is the players within the 50 to 100 game mark for them to get some consistency and for them to also be assisting the other, so those younger ones around them. And it's very interesting because I've, I've got the little list up in front of us of games played as to who is it within that sort of thing. So you've got Kirtley Hampton, Kyle Cheney, Rory Laird, Tom Lynch, Josh Jenkins, Luke Brown, 
Andy Otten, Ricky Henderson, Brody Smith, and Daniel Talia. And interestingly, Tex has only played 107 games, so you could almost consider him within that bracket. That's there's some nice little players in there that it appears that Pike has actually come out and challenged from within the club. Well, there's no doubt that depth this year is um, far and away the best we've had for quite some time. Um, and he'd be pumping up those those lads to um, take the next step. Um, I think the impression I get is that the competition across the board is is like for for spots is is pretty uh, pretty keen. So that's what you want at the beginning of the season, along with our injury list or lack thereof. Mostly lack thereof. What um, what other games do you see as being appealing on the weekend? I think the um, not Thursday night. No, not Thursday night. Definitely the Collingwood the Collingwood Sydney game and the Western Bulldogs Frio game. They both look like they'll be uh, quite interesting affairs, I, I'd imagine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Are you, yeah, Scorpus, are you a bit bullish about Collingwood like I am? Yes. I think they've really had some great inclusions over the off-season with how Trelaw and the name that we wanted, Aish. Um, yeah, I think they're going to go quite well this year and especially being able to drop, you know, Jesse White and bring in someone like Darcy Moore into their forward line, draws it up a bit more and, yeah, I think they might sneak into the eight or thereabouts this year so it's all looking good for them can anybody think of a backman who will be able to actually handle dane swan when he plays up forward oh it's a tough one i think he's going to be a nightmare and by the look of it the way they were playing through in the nad challenge um he's going to play quite a number of minutes up forward yeah i think they've introduced some flexibility into their team this year, I really like the look of Collingwood. I think, um, th- from my perspective, they look like the the ones to challenge from outside the eight this year. No, no doubt about it. Um, just the way they're they're travelling at the moment, I, I think they'll I think they'll knock Sydney over on on the weekend. I think the one yeah, concern for oh, I think I think the one concern for them would have to be their back line. It kind of doesn't stack up as well as players that they've got in the midfield and forward line and. I think that they could be vulnerable to a stronger forward line like ours, West Coast, Hawthorns, those sort of teams. Daniels thinks that Luke Brown will be able to curtail Dane Swan. That'll be a hell of a challenge. The other game uh, of interest, I think, is uh, the Western Bulldogs and Frio. Frio travelling over to the Telstra time where, uh, or Etihad Stadium, I should say, where Western Bulldogs are so strong and so hard to beat. And um, Frio just didn't look great in the preseason. I'm just wondering whether the uh, the pace of the doggies and uh, being at Etihad might uh, might catch them in round one. Yeah, I reckon the I reckon the bullies will um, knock them off. To be honest with you, I don't think Frio are quite there yet. Um, and I think uh, the bullies will be riding on the back of last year, and they'll hit the ground running at the beginning of the season, at the very least. They've got a couple of really good ins. So Liberatories obviously coming back. Um, it, is really going to help them in the midfield. I, I think they're looking good again this year. Yeah, I think you've convinced I'm, me. I'm not so sure about the bullies because this cap rotation and how that's actually really going to affect them, that's what I'm still kind of looking out for because they really do like that run and gun. But it's I think that they have to change their game style. They've got to have more than just that. I think their ability to score um, is going to be the key um, for them this year. 
And I, I don't know. I mean, the whole cap rotation thing probably deserves its own little discussion. And um, one of the games that I probably should have mentioned as well, just Hawthorne and Geelong. Geelong just seems to me to be incredibly overvalued by the the media at the moment, or overrated. And, and I think that, that spread to the bookies who have overrated them a bit. I think Hawthorne, I think, are paying around about a dollar sixty-five or seventy or something. Um, I know that Brad Hill was injured, or his, uh, an announcement was made today. He's out for six weeks with a cracked wrist, but um, still think Hawthorne uh, should get over Geelong there. I, they um, just seem to be a bit overvalued at the moment. There's such hype around Geelong and their recruiting and yada, yada, yada. I really hope that they crash and burn. I, I don't... I, <laughs> You're not the only one. I think, I mean, it's not just the danger field factor. I, I just feel like they're incredibly overrated this year. They're carrying a couple of niggles, uh, mental struggling to get on the park and a couple of others as well. Uh, Vardy's only played a little bit in the pre-season. I think he's key for them. I, I don't know. I, I still see them as, as middle of the road this year. I think the hype yeah, will get to them. Yeah, their back line. Their back line's a big concern. Yeah, I agree. I think they're vulnerable down back, and I think they're going to really miss Stevie J. And he looked good for GWS. Oh, he was having fun out there. They've done very well at um, building the hype train uh, again at the Cattery. Um, but by the same token, I I don't know. I, I just don't see them having the cattle this year. I think they're vulnerable to injury, and I think they're... There are a couple of uh, decent players short, and you'll see Selwood and Dangerfield carry them a lot this year. Um, but I don't, I don't think the others will flash in and out. But I don't think there's much else there. Now we can actually talk a little bit about us because we had the season launch on Friday, where we actually combined for the um, oh, what is it the like the big the one that you pay the money to go and see normally but with also the family day and I thought it actually it went off pretty well it was quite interesting actually having it at Adelaide Oval and everybody being presented and then you could go on and actually have a kick on the ground is is quite nice but I think what created a bit of discussion on the board was the new commercial that came out yeah the new commercial is great I thought I, re- I really liked it when I first saw it. It's a bit of a bit of a different commercial to the sort of ones that you know show game day footage and things like that. Um, it's definitely very stylized, but I think it really really shows us what what the crows mean. Yeah, it's slick, yeah, and the professional, mi- and I like I like the theme. And Fagan had actually challenged them. He said, "You have to encapsulate what we fly as one means," and I think it did it. Sorry, folks, I just dropped, dropped out for a while there, but I'm back. Uh, I gather we've moved on to the Crows commercial. Yes, we have. Thanks for joining us, Pete. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what happened. I had, nice a, I had to a hear you again. <laughs> um, National Tiles has just said it's powerful imagery, and it, and it really was. It's using the Crow and using us all combined together um, just to... And I, I thought it was really great imagery of from the country to the suburbs to the city, um, we all fly as one. It's very, very clever. Uh, 
anything else from the pre-season before we move forward? Um, I would like to say that I think the boards themselves have been very disappointing this pre-season. We've had one or two active threads. We're missing some personalities. Um, I don't know. I'm just calling. <laughs> oh, I I think we've just all been hanging out for actual real football to start. Yeah, I think that everyone's okay. just about uh, had had enough, and and you can see that uh, there's been just a few threads there where it's been uh, you know pretty bitey. So I think, I think everyone's a bit edgy, everyone's a bit toey, everyone wants just the games to start. All right, so if the games are going to start. Who do we think that's on our list that hasn't played a game for us is going to get a game this season? Ooh. Stumped you, have I? What was the question again? So who from our squad who hasn't played a game for us is going to get a game for us this season? Well, Miller would have to be top of the list. I can't see him being displaced on the side now. Um, yeah, I think that'll with, happen this weekend. And I agree with Scorpus. I think that um, Mitch McGovern will play Charlie Cameron's role. I think he's been green for that role in the first in the in the three nab challenge games with the way that he's um, you know uh, chased and harassed and tackled and and been been really good in that regard. And then as um, as you said, Nicky um, put some offense into his game um, in the game against the Gold Coast and looked like. You know, um, he's ready to step up and take that challenge of replacing Charlie until he comes back. I think we'll see. And I think you can also um, add in Seedsman. Yeah, Seedsman, definitely. I think we'll see a bit of Dean Gore and I think we'll see a bit of Kirtley Hampton um, through the year. Uh, And hopefully a bit of Troy uh, uh, Menzel. Daniel Menzel. Troy Menzel. Yeah, it's Troy. Yeah, we've got Troy. Troy, (laughs) Daniels, Daniels is the other one. We can have him too because didn't McDermott name him playing for us? You've just put me in the same... You're out. I'm going to disconnect you. (laughs) That's disgraceful. I I think we'll see Troy Menzel this year. I think we'll see him a lot sooner than um, Kirtley Hampton, who's currently injured and out for six to eight weeks. Yeah. I think Menzel just a few weeks in the SANFL and we, he'll be right in there. As far as the other players go, we've got um, guys like John O'Beach, Harry Deer, Tom Duday, Greenwood, Hunter, Keith, O'Brien, Ramsey and Wig, who haven't um, played games for us other than those that we've mentioned. And yeah, I can't, I can't really see that group of players really, maybe with the exception of Harry Wig getting a game this season for us. Um, do you guys agree? It'll have to be injured through the midfield. I think that's where that's going to have to come in. I think he's been groomed for next year. With Wig, yeah, I would agree. I think I, I think I went hard in the predictions for thread and put John O Beach for six games and a nomination <laughs> for Mark of the Year. So wow. I'm, I'm I'm kind of caught there. I went a bit hard on John O uh, um, and a um, bit bullish. So um, I think really he probably won't play, but I'm going to. Hold on to a bit of hope as an old Westies boy that uh, that he'll get a run at some point. Yeah, and I mean, Bacon Eight. That... Sorry, uh, Bacon Eight in the chat just said, "Should we promote Riley O'Brien as a mid-year promotion to just to play against Essendon?" And yeah, that's certainly an idea. I think he will definitely be promoted at some stage um, onto the full list. It's just kind of what's going to 
happen regarding that. But he's quite a nice little handy backup we've got coming along as well. I think just the fact that we've named six to eight players straight off the bat um, is reflective of what we were talking about earlier with depth. Um, I don't know whether we necessarily could have dropped eight names just like that in years gone past, so that's all uh, all bodes well, I think. Certainly very promising. And Ryan B just asked what's going on with Doday. Is he too small? He's definitely too small. Well, that was a bit loud. Um, they were, they've been managing his load because he's come from a, a bit more playing a bit more basketball than just solid football. So they're just getting his body used to it. Didn't want to push him too much. I think he was close to the SNFL, um, playing in the SNFL trial game, but he was just that little bit sore. So I think they're doing the right thing in erring on the side of caution, I think in that respect. Yes. All right, well, look, um, we'll leave it there. And um, as we uh, promised at the start of the show, we've um, been able to, uh, well, we've been very fortunate that we've had David McKay be supplied by the club to come on and, and interview. So um, I think uh, without further ado, Phoenix, I think we're, are we ready for that interview? We could be ready. It was, uh, even though we're live, we, uh, we did pre-record this uh, a little while ago when uh, when David was available. So um Hopefully uh, he's there now and we'll throw to that interview. We've uh, got a very, very special guest this evening uh, on the show for uh, for an interview. Um, David McKay, the number 14 for the Adelaide Crows, has uh, been kind enough to join us tonight. How are you tonight, David? Yeah, very well, thank you. Great to have you aboard. Um, we, just, uh, we thought we'd have a bit of a, a general chat tonight, just not about footy stuff, but just a, a bit of um, your uh, your background and history as well. And um, we uh, we did a bit of research and, and found out that uh, back in the old days, uh, you managed to play a bit of basketball with uh, with Andy Otten. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship with Andy and how that then um, fed into uh, the time uh, that you had, uh, have had at the Adelaide Football Club? Yeah, well, I... Uh, I started playing basketball when I was uh, about uh, five or six and uh, actually my first team I was ever in, I was actually in the same team as Andy at uh, down at the Nutterwadding Vikings in um, eastern Melbourne and uh, yeah, we sort of played for a number of years together. Um, I was actually coached by Andy's dad, Theo, for a number of years and played with Andy and, um, and Andy's brother, Johnny, as well in the same team and um, yeah, I suppose we we did that, and then um, we actually found ourselves. We had, you know, I sort of stopped playing basketball for, a, for quite a while, and started to play footy. And um, Andy did the same thing, and uh, we actually found our way into the same under eighteen team with the Oakley Chargers, and um, and managed to win a premiership there, playing footy together. So um, you know, we, we played in the premiership for basketball when we were about eight years old, and then we managed to play in a the footy grand final together when we were 18 and um and then lo and behold we uh we end up at the same uh, afl club it's been uh, so it's been terrific to have that relationship with andy for you know most of our lives now and um and obviously the families too are pretty close and um it's it's really good the way it's all worked out would have been That's a great story you didn't actually like that... each other mate <laughs> yeah yeah no look we've uh we get on really well and um, they're still close mates, so it's it's, uh, it's been really good. 
Has that did that help uh, you uh, with your transition from moving from Victoria to South Australia to have that existing relationship? Yeah, well, I got there uh, to the Adelaide Crows a year before Andy, so it was really good actually to to have someone um, I suppose come over who I had such a great relationship with, and um, you know, I, I certainly think it helped him too. Uh, coming over and having someone that he knew and um, it is pretty uh, daunting coming over as an 18 year old moving state you don't know anyone you don't have any family or friends over here so I suppose for him to have a familiar face was was good and uh, for me to try and I suppose try and take him under my wing and help him wherever I could and um, yeah so it sort of worked out really well and um, you know he's he obviously He's settled now over here, and we both are, and it's uh, it's you know we remain really close. I wonder, do you, have you actually nicknamed him a copycat then? Because from what you were just saying there, it seems he's always copied you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, look, he um, he was. I actually left um, that club that we played junior basketball with. I I actually left that club um, when I was about uh, eleven or twelve, and. He was pretty dirty on me for that, so um, I don't think he's actually still forgiven me for moving clubs when I was um, that age, and uh, still holds that against me, and um, and still says we would have uh, we would have done alright if we had stuck together a bit longer, but we found our way back together eventually. And the other interesting thing we found is somebody was searching on your lovely little Wikipedia page, and it actually said on there you were captain of your house at school and Todd Goldstein was your vice captain is that correct uh yeah yeah so Todd and I uh went to school together and um we're pretty close mates at school and um he obviously he has a, a really strong uh, basketball background and it was actually a pretty interesting story he only uh he was actually about to or thinking about going over to America to play college basketball sort of when we were in our final years at school and um, I sort of had a bit of a word to him and tried to get him down to play play footy because I knew he could play footy and he'd, he'd played here here and there and um, he'd done pretty well so we, we tried to coax him into playing school footy and we got him to do that for the for a year, year 12 year so he came down, played that and then I tried to convince him to play TAC Cup and we got him into to play the last four games of the uh, under-18s with Oakley Chargers. And he uh, he came in and absolutely dominated. Um, obviously played in the finals, played in the grand final, dominated and, and got drafted. So um, it sort of worked out pretty well. He, he didn't play a lot of footy at all, but um, he had that sort of natural ability and he had the, the size and um, he was a great ruckman all the way through school so it was it was uh quite timely that he decided to, ch- to change over when he did and and it's worked out really well for him obviously so i think it sounds like he owes you a present now too you did quite well <laughs> no i'm taking too much credit for that i just uh, every time <laughs> i catch up with him i i remind him that uh if it wasn't for me he, he wouldn't be playing footy <laughs> but i'm sure he would have found his way into it some at some stage anyway do you give him a bit of a clip when uh, things like Petrenko kicking one off the ground to win in the last 30 seconds and <laughs> happens and that sort of stuff? Just remind him, you know, where he fits in the scheme of things. <laughs> yeah, look, that was um, they were going through a pretty tough period at that point. They'd lost about three or four games in a row by 
less than a kick and um look he he's he's had some great success so um yeah you know, i I can't really be talking too much about that sort of stuff because he probably has the wood over me but uh you know every time we get a chance to play and hopefully beat them it's uh, it's you know a good feeling I have a little few words to him after the game and um but it's always all good fun. Oh, hopefully again this weekend, mate. Hey, um, when you were first drafted, um, you then got mini-drafted to uh, the Panthers. Um, just yep. give us a bit of an insight. The, the difference between back then when it was split, um, you know, between the two clubs and, and now to the whole streamlined arrangement, uh, you know, how are you finding it and how does, how does it feel around the club now that that's in place? Oh look, it's a it's a drastic change. It's um, f- for our footy club um, and for you know the AFL clubs who who have um, outright reserves teams or state league teams um, in their own right. It's such an advantage. Um, it's quite hard to to actually understand how much it does help us. It, I suppose when you when we had the old system where we'd go out to SANFL clubs that. Um, you really were um, part of another footy club. You really were playing for an, another footy club every weekend, and it basically meant um, the role that you played had no um, correlation to the role that you were playing in the AFL um, squad. Um, you know, training. You, you sort of you go to your SANFL club late in the week on a Thursday or Friday and train with them. So effectively, you're only having about half a week at, at your AFL club. So, in terms of development, it's 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 working so much better being able to um, have our own team where we can stay together. You can play the same role, the same structures that the AFL team is. So that when you come in um, and get picked, it's it's a lot more streamlined, and you can come straight in. You understand what you what you need to do, and not have to make that adjustment. So. It's been great for us to have that the last couple of years, and um, I think it's only going to help us, you know, more going forward with our development now. Um, you know, pressure for spots and all that sort of stuff, which is basically key to, to having a, a good side and a good footy club. David, um, just going back uh, a few years, I know that we've had um, obviously um, uh, a number of coaches, uh, particularly in, in your tenure at the Adelaide Football Club. I'm just wondering how that. Um, that, that number of changes affects you as a player and I guess any other player in the playing group when you've got um, a number of different coaches with different styles and, and how that can, um, can affect you generally? Yeah, look, there's no, there's no doubt that um, when a new coach comes in, um, a lot of changes happen um, and you have to make a lot of adjustments and it does take time to... I guess learn the ways of the new coach and um, and how they want to play and um, I suppose how they want to set the club up as well and uh, so I guess to have that change so much in the last few years you know it hasn't been easy and it's it's not just um, you know the players have to adjust but it's it's the whole club it's um, support staff medical staff like when a new senior coach changes all that. Um, gets reviewed and changes and so it, it is quite um, challenging and um, and things do need to change and you have to adapt to it but the, I guess the, the coaches that we've had um, you know have have really been 
really positive with that and they've come in and they've made great change and um for you know obviously things haven't worked out for certain reasons for some of those coaches but um you know i think that the group has accepted what's what's happened and um you know with with Pikey coming in this year he's been able to bring a, a great positive mindset to this group and i think um you know we've had a lot of challenges in the past but um Pikey has, has come in with his way and, and what he believes will help us win and obviously we've had things in the that have been in place in the past that we've kept because of you know we we have seen them work over the last few years so it's not a matter of wiping the floor and changing everything it's just making a few adjo- adjustments and um to to keep us i guess ahead of the curve and keep, keep trying to improve quicker than uh you know the 17 other clubs out there so you would have been one of the few remaining from when Pikey was here previously. Were you around then? No, Pikey left the year the year before I got there. Oh. Um, so we've got a few. I think um, you know Tomo, VB, uh, Rishi Douglas are the ones who are still um, still around from that that year. Yeah. From that, I'd be interested to know, have they actually said anything about whether he's changed a little bit from that time? Um, oh, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, I suppose that's, that's what, 10 years ago now. So, um, you know, he's obviously been through a lot in that 10 years. He's, um, you know, he's, he's had, um, you know, obviously areas of his life business that he's, um, he's delved into and then... Um, yeah, you know, he's been on the board at West Coast. He's um, coached a little bit with Freo on West Coast. So um, he's, you know, he's done a lot in that time. So I think um, he, you know, he he has added a lot to his footy knowledge and um, and his people management skills. And but I, yeah, I haven't had that conversation with those boys about whether they think he's uh, he's changed too much. And I know, you know, just talking briefly, VB. Um, you know, said so he's always been really switched on. He understands the game really well and communicates really well. So that's uh, that's something that he's 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 had the whole time through. Now, one it's interesting. One of our forum members has read Paddy Steinford's Breakfast with Bale's books. Um, it's on my to read list. I thought, unfortunately, haven't got to it yet. Um, but they said that in the book it was just um, you were actually discussed about Bales who had, um, I'm not sure whether he'd done some work directly with you or not, but it was how you work really well having a very structured role within the team. So I was just actually wondering, was that something you worked directly with um, Dean Bailey or um, maybe possibly with Paddy Steinford as well? Or was it something that you think that they directed at the line coaches as, the best way to get the best out of you. Yeah, oh, look, I, I spent um, quite a bit of time with with Bales, um, and it was probably something that we um, that I highlighted with him and and the rest of the coaching staff about, um, I suppose, trying to improve and and get better. And um, I suppose you know I'd very much been a, a structured person and. Um, and the way that I played was was very structured and um, specific to the role that I was playing. And um, I suppose Bales uh, was very big, not just for me, but for for all the guys that he worked with closely. Was 
for I suppose branching out a little bit more and, and trying to be a little bit more creative and um, and not so much get out of that structured way, but just branch out a bit and uh, and sort of look at things a little bit differently. And he was a little bit different, Bales, and um, so he I suppose gave us a few different strategies and, and things that we could do in our everyday life that would help us, um, I guess be a little bit more creative with our footy and um, and explore opportunities. And, um, yeah, that was something that we worked really closely. No, it wasn't just myself. It was a number of other boys who were in the same situation. And, um, yeah, so I suppose that was one of the things that... Uh, one of the things that Bales um, had a huge uh, impact on me and, and many of the boys at the club. No. It's just a tragedy. We didn't have him around very long with us, but it's good to see that he actually did have quite an impact in the time that he was with us. Oh, look, no doubt. Um, you know, and, uh, it's hard to fathom, um, you know, what happened. And, is you know, it's 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 difficult because there are so many guys at the club who had great relationships with Bales and... Um, you know, he he he's only at our time at our club for a short time, but uh, he had a profound impact in that time. There's no doubt about that. Now, David, just on a bit of a lighter note, um, you were part of the uh, peroxide brigade um, back in the early part of uh, of your career. You had Scotty Welsh and yeah. a few others, and I'm sure you would have tried to get Macca and Rue involved in that at some stage. I'm, you know. Um, how how has it left you feeling now that the club at, has changed direction and gone from more of a ranger approach? And watch it. And post footy, do you think you might get involved in something similar to Macca with the Indigenous and try to recruit a few more young peroxide players into the club and get the balance right again? Oh uh, look, I uh, I'm not too proud of those peroxide days, but um, the. I seem to have gone out of fashion, so I think that's why it sort of drifted off the uh, off the radar. But you're right, we do have our fair share of redheads, and I think we'd probably be leading the way. I reckon the AFL, we've um, we seem to keep bringing one or two in every year. So um, no, look, I, I think uh, they can they can all play, and they can they're great guys. So it doesn't worry me too much. And I don't think we'll, I think it'll be a while till we see the peroxide back in uh, in fashion. I think that might uh, take a while to, to get back into into. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that they are uh, all decent players. I mean, Chief would probably let you know that pretty re- regularly, wouldn't he? That he's going alright. Yeah, look, he, he he's the leader of that uh, <laughs> that clan. Um, so he, you know, he he does cop the most stick about it, and uh, but he he does give it as well. So he's got his got to expect to cop it every now and again but um, you know you've got someone like a Dean Gore who's just come into the club and you know, I certainly feel for him because he's copped it a little bit but uh, you know he doesn't deserve it Do you reckon so, he might uh, just shave it off? <laughs> Try and distance himself well, from him a bit? Uh, do, do a source? Perhaps I mean that's what source has been trying to do but uh, unfortunately you can't seem to hide it too too well so Just, uh, just on that David doesn't seem to work who would be the king of the sledges out on the track, can we ask? Oh, oh look, I think Tex, Tex seems to talk the most. And um, I'm not down there too often in the forward line, but uh, from what I can gather, he uh, he's pretty brutal. 
and um, yeah, I'm not sure too. I'm not sure how intellectual it is, but um, <laughs> uh, it's pretty brutal, I think. This this is going to air unedited too, mate. So we're gonna we're gonna tag <laughs> yeah. him in on Twitter. Yeah. Can I can I just ask a uh, sorry just to go back to footy for a second? Can I just ask a footy yeah. question? I'm just interested with the the way that we're we're now playing and the way that we played the NAB challenge. I noticed from the stats that we lost um, mm-hmm. uh, against Fremantle, we lost contested football and clearances, and then against Gold Coast, we lost those stats as well as centre clearances. But looking at the um, the NAB challenge total statistics, we uh, we won. I think we were the number one team for uncontested possession. Does that signal a little bit of a change in the way that we've traditionally played over the last few years, being you know, contested ball hunters to now looking to really try and um, perhaps stay off the contest a little bit and try and um, win the ball on outside a little bit more? Oh, look, there's no doubt that's been a huge area of focus for us um, because it's been an area that let us down the last probably two or three years, really. We, we haven't got that right, so... That's been a massive area of focus, but having said that, um, yeah, what we've done on the inside against uh, Frio <coughs> and also Gold Coast wasn't at the level that we're after. So uh, it's it's not about sacrificing one for the other. It's about um, you know you've got to be able to win the hunt on the inside. It's the most important thing in our game, and uh, that's our you know will be our number one focus all the time as it should be, but. Um, just having a bit more balance and being able to um, win our fair share on the outside as well is really important too. So we're trying to get that balance right. We have a few things that we uh, need to improve on from the last two NAB Cup games, and most of it is sort of our inside stuff. But we've done a lot of work on that the last couple of weeks, so I think um, you know we will be ready to go this weekend. But uh, yeah, it's about getting the balance right with that. So um, hopefully you can sort of see us doing both of those. And just on the the fun little thing that probably gets asked quite a bit just regarding um, that it was reported a few years ago that the Demons offered you quite an attractive contract. So as being an interstate player, you often get asked, you know, do you like Adelaide and are you going to stay, et cetera, et cetera. But when something like comes along, how much pressure is do Victorian clubs put on Victorian players to go back and in that particular situation was it a difficult decision for you to to stay in Adelaide did you contemplate moving back to Melbourne um oh not not ever seriously um you know obviously as your sort of career gets on and um you know you get a bit older and um your life changes a bit whether it be um you know your family your own family that sort of thing (laughs) I guess you get to a point where you have to start, I guess, seriously thinking about what the future looks like. And um, so I suppose you get in a situation where you've got to weigh all that up. And in terms of putting pressure on, I mean, the, the clubs, um, you know, both ways are, are very good. They they allow you the time to come to that decision. And and you you just sort that out through, through your manager over time. And, um, you know, I never seriously considered uh, leaving the club. I, I just got to a point where I had to um, think about the future and where things were headed and then make a considered decision and, um, you know, look, I, I feel really lucky to be able to uh, to be able to play for the Adelaide Footy Club and I've always felt that way. It's been, you know, it's a 
it's an absolute privilege to be able to be in that position, and that's the way I've sort of looked at it. And um, you know, I've just whenever contracts have come up or whatever, it's it's just been about making a considered decision, and um, and you know that's happened all the way through. So, um, but clubs, you know, clubs don't put a lot, you know, too much pressure on you. It's it's really handled well through the managers and, and allowing you to just focus on the game. I know. So the upshot of... Oh, sorry, go on. Just, what, sorry. just quickly, yeah. So is the upshot of that that you feel very strongly about trying to be a one-club player? Um, yeah, that's that's something that's really important to me. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of guys feel that same way, and uh, but it does get to a point where... Um, you know, as much as you want to be able to do that, um, other things, you know, for, if it's preventing you from getting opportunity or from playing, or then, you know, you have to weigh that up and, um, and make a decision based on that. But um, for me personally, um, you know, that's something that when my footy's done, I'll, I'll look back and be pretty proud on. Um, and, you know, that certainly came into you know, my thoughts when whenever contracts came up, that was um, one of the things I was really um, held, you know, pretty tight to me was uh, to be able to play for a great club for, you know, the whole time I played footy. David, we're just about getting towards the end of the time. We thought we'd leave the most important question to last. There's <laughs> the, the, the new sleep facility uh, down there at Adelaide. If you had to nominate a player, you would least like to be caught in that sleep room with you. Who, who would that be? Oh, I don't know if we've got long enough to name them all. I think it's... Um, <laughs> well, I'm not too Who's sure. Who's the worst, Nora? Well, when we travel these days, we get our own room. So um, you don't uh, you don't pick up on who snores and, and all that any, anymore. But um, I would probably say Tommy Lynch would be the one that I wouldn't want to um, be caught in there with. For a number of reasons, but um, <laughs> not just that he has and red hair. And so. You're not going to share that? <laughs> just leave, oh, look, just leave it as a mystery for we us. We could be here or not. Um, <laughs> probably because when I'm, I'd be trying to get to sleep and he'd be uh, still chatting away because you can't shut him up. So that would be the, probably the main reason. Yeah. Hey, I reckon I can shut him up. Uh, oh, let's not go, let's not <laughs> no, go there. No, talking. Talking-wise. <laughs> Talking-wise, you two. Oh, jeez. Hey, David, you mentioned one-club players before, and I have to ask this. Uh, obviously, I've got the hard-hitting questions here. Um, the reverse Falcon last year, I need to know <laughs> how, how big was the fine yeah. and who actually got charged by the leadership group? Was it you, your fault in the end or was it Danger's fault? Voldemort. Um, His name's Voldemort, remember? <laughs> uh, well, I don't think there was any fines handed out, um, but it certainly wasn't my fault. I can tell you that right now. I think Danger actually was pretty adamant that uh, he wanted to get two possessions out of it, so he basically tried to uh, use me as the uh, yeah. as a, a bit of a fake smother, and then... Um, and then he was able to get two possessions out of it, so it doesn't really surprise assist? me. But um, no, well, I don't think I got anything. I think I just got uh, the embarrassment, and uh, that was about it. So no, I didn't look that good. Um, we think it counts. Cattle- Sorry, Nick, go on. 
Oh, no, we think it counts as an effective possession, which is sometimes a little rare well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't surprise me actually. I don't know what I was doing running that close to him. He, he does spray it a little bit, so. Well, he was gonna give, <laughs> you know, he wasn't getting give the handball, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, David, uh, um, I've seen it far too many times. <laughs> David, thanks um, so much for your time. I hope that wasn't too horrific for you to come on to the uh, the Crowcast, but um, uh, we really, really appreciate your time. <laughs> No, no worries, guys. No worries. And we're back. And that was our is, interview. Uh, is that with, Gus back um, live, Phoenix? Yep, yeah, that's our interview with uh, DMAC. Um, throw it back to you, Pete. Yeah, I hope the listeners enjoyed that. I thought it was um, some good, insightful stuff there. And, Phoenix, I, I really enjoyed your question at the end there uh, on the reverse Falcon. I thought that was a good bit of fun. I just couldn't let him get away with it, mate. I mean, you don't see that very often, do you? And he, he, I, I'm very shocked that he didn't get a fine. I don't reckon we've actually dug a lot deeper. We might have to get four corners onto that one. <laughs> or maybe get Lynchy on. Or Chief Good stuff. All right. All right. Well, that uh, that just I think that that just takes us to uh, our hour, doesn't it, Phoenix? Yeah, oh, we're not really time limited, but uh, anymore, um, we've upgraded our. Uh, pro broadcaster status on Spreaker but uh, we'll probably uh, leave on a high note I would have thought Yeah fair enough look thanks uh, to Scorpus and Nikki and Phoenix for joining us tonight and uh, as always thanks very much Phoenix for all of your technical support we couldn't do it without you uh, I encourage everybody to uh, get on board with the uh, the preview show on Thursday with uh, with Scorpus uh, that'll be uh, interesting we'll have uh, all of the uh, selection news and uh, look forward to hearing all of that. Uh, so thanks very much, everybody. Any don't last minute to, uh, goodbyes? Don't forget to, Pete, uh, Sunday night, even though it won't officially be the end of the round, Sunday night at 7 o'clock, uh, me, Nikki, and I think we've got Hank on this weekend. Uh, we'll be doing a wrap-up of the round, um, and I promise you it won't be sedate, particularly if we lose. <laughs> yeah, one last thing. I'll try just... and keep him behaving. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and one last thing, just the best ways to follow us on, on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at BF Crowcast and also on Facebook. BF Crowcast is probably the best way to get notifications about, you know, when we're going live, when the shows are and all the links to previous casts that we do. So check us out on there and, of course, on the board as well at bigfooty.com. Beautiful. Thanks very much, guys. All right. Um, thanks uh, once again and thanks again to David McKay. Uh, we uh, re- really appreciate having you on board. All right, good night, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you next time around for the Tuesday Night Live edition of the Crowcast. See you later. See you guys. Bye.